Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Russell Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Brad and Barry Russell, where we, along with our guests, will explore what it looks like to live the adventure in all aspects of life. As we follow Jesus in our roles as men, husbands, fathers, outdoorsmen, and businessmen, join us on the adventure. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Russell Brothers Live the Adventure podcast. My name is Brad Russell. And I'm Barry Russell. And we are here today with our friend Jared Phillips. And uh, Jared is all the way from Guatemala. Welcome, Jared. Woohoo. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So good to have you, Jared. Absolutely. Hey, so tell us a little bit who you are, family. Give us kind of catch up us, catch us up on who you are, where you are right now. All right. Like I said, Jared Phillips, I grew up here in Titusville, Florida, right between Titusville and Mims. Um, grew up family of nine kids. Yep. That's um, right. I forgot how many of you kid guys. Kid-sized family. <laughs> uh, I was the oldest boy, two older sisters, the rest were younger. So grew up with a lot of fun, crazy, right. crazy times with them. Um, grew up playing sports, loved playing baseball, wrestled in high school, played football, basketball. Uh, baseball was really my love for a yeah. long time. My, my first dream to be a major league ball player. Sure. Like so many others. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, yeah, I grew up, graduated from um, Temple Christian School, went through my junior and senior year, and tried to pursue playing baseball in college for like mm, almost five years, Okay, and kind of bounced around and finished up at UCF just going to school. All right. The, the dream died somewhere along the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, something that I loved. I loved playing baseball, um, but it was something that... I don't know if other people have experienced this, but for me, I, I connected with my dad <clears throat> through baseball. That was like the number one thing. And so I put a lot of identity in that. And so it took a long time for me to let it go. Sure. You, know, you can hold on to things. And um, it was a hard thing to let go, but uh, it was something that when I finally turned it over to God saying, hey, I'll follow you wherever, whatever you want to do. Um, that was one of the first things where I had to lay down of like, okay, this isn't your plan for my life. Yeah. And, but it was definitely something I loved and enjoyed along the way. And, um, but I, after college, I, I ended up working with a ministry out in Hawaii called Surfing the Nations. Yeah. And it was, uh, an amazing experience. Um, most people think you surf the majority of the time and you, you get to surf like once a week, but granted, <laughs> I mean, it's the best waves you've experienced you know, ever. Um, so, but it was a, an incredible time, like learning what it looks like to, to work within a ministry and, and to be like, just focused on it. Um, there was, there was some connections there because if I, if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Wes Luke. Yeah. Yeah. From Barry's youth was, ministry <laughs> in Columbia, South Carolina yeah. was working with surfing the nations. And that kind of led to several of you guys from Titusville. Right. Several, I think, uh, several, Kyle right? Wyckoff was one of them. Yeah. Um, a few other guys, um, but yeah, he. I think he was the first one to go out there. Were you? West was I our visited? original mm-hmm. connection, yeah, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom and Cindy Bauer run Surf of the Nations. Mm-hmm. We met them through a group called Borders for Christ uh, when West was living and traveling all over the United States uh, gotcha. skateboarding. That's how yeah. we met them. It's an awesome ministry. Dude. They it's, they do such an excellent job, and I mean, I think it branched off. They were originally with um, with YWAM. Yep. Uh, but they're an amazing couple. How, how long were you out there? Uh, a little over two years. 
yeah, full time and feeding the homeless. <laughs> That's what you did nonstop. Yeah, they have so many different things that they do. I'm mean, feeding the homeless. They do have a youth program for at risk youth where they, they specifically located themselves in the worst part of Hawaii. Yeah, that most people don't see. And I mean, any day it's you, not the tourist. It's not the no, tourist destination. It's, it's the place that people when you tell them, hey, you're on. Oh, high street. They're yeah. like blood. It's was known as blood alley. Yeah. And just drug addicts. I haven't had, the, I haven't had the chance to get Barry. Uh, I know Barry visited been, yeah. out there. I haven't had the chance to visit surfing the nations, hopefully one day, but I remember hearing stories and, and I don't know if it actually happened or not, but, or they were trying to, but maybe it did. Weren't they like purchasing a strip club? Yeah. And, I was yeah, there. I, I helped clean it out. Yeah. Oh, so they did. Oh, so they yeah. purchased a strip club so and what did they do with it? So they started with a, it was an old bar, this whole strip. There was an old yeah, bar like from like mall. the 1920s. They bought it, renovated it and made it into a coffee shop. And that was their first introduction into the community. And behind it was a uh, three-story apartment building that they purchased and we renovated it. And it was from probably from the 1930s or 40s. Yeah. So you had guys on one floor, girls and then staff. And then next to it was a porn shop and then a strip club. Yeah. And they purchased it at donors, you know, it yep. pitched in, purchased it. We cleaned it out and every, so we had all different kind of like community outreach things. That's it. incredible. Yeah. I slept. And it was nuts, state. man. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So you were there during that. Yeah. You I got, got to see, be part of that. I got to be like, well, I visited two years before that. So I got to see when they were praying for that to happen and believing that God was going to provide for it. And the owners didn't want to, at first didn't want to sell it. But even the owner of the porn shop next door, I mean, we would just pray for people. We'd walk, watch people pull up, park, and go yeah. inside. And we'd have prayer times where we'd just sit there and pray for people coming in and going out and just yep. pray for them. Yep. And it totally changed. I mean, for me, I, I was brought up Christian, but I wasn't comfortable around sinners, Yeah. Like, to be honest. Sure. Like, I, I just felt like like an alien. <laughs> yeah. And not to bash my parents, but it wasn't, I wasn't comfortable. Which, I mean, I, I actually to applaud your parents in a way, like part of our role as parents is to protect the purity of our kids. Yeah, right? no, definitely. So if you were too comfortable around right. a porn no. shop, there might have been a, <laughs> that might have been a different that issue. Might have been a right? different issue. <laughs> but I mean, even like someone cussing around you or yeah. different things like, like we live in the world around us. You can't get away from it. Yeah. But to know obviously that it's wrong, but how do I embrace somebody who's not where I'm at? You know, yeah, how do I love them. And that was the first time, at least being with them, of seeing that, wow, like I can start with just praying for them. Yeah. Like that's right. that, that was earth shattering for me. I was like, that's a whole different perspective to start at, you know. That was a pretty pivotal season in your life, um, kind of serving at Surfing the Nations. But you actually yeah. even had some encounters and experience with missions before that, right? As, mm -hmm. a, as a teenager. Yeah. My first time I was, I had just turned 18, and my youth pastor at the time, Trey Gordon, uh, was at Christ Community, and I took a trip with him to Costa Rica nice. for two weeks, and that was the first time where I realized, wow, there's more to life than baseball. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I knew I was a Christian, I knew God, but for me to see other people with having nothing but having a joy and fulfillment in a way that I had never experienced before, and it just rocked my world. Like yeah. I came back and I was mm -hmm. like, God, do you want me to play baseball? Yeah, like it was the first time I ever questioned, is this what you want for my life? Like so I know good. what I want, yeah, but is this what you want for my life? And it helped me because that, that next season I went into, I, I walked on at Daytona Beach Community College and it was a, it's a, still a great 
baseball program for community colleges and they were in the top three in the nation every year. And I mean, division one schools, like guys like, like you're talking about Bo Nichols that went to a small school. We had several guys that had flunked out of, you know, university of Texas, Florida that came there. They yeah. were first round, second round draft picks. Wow. And they'd come, they came there to play one year and they get drafted. So it's a high level of, wow. of talent. And so I made the team, but I found very quickly, I was like, okay, I can play baseball at this level and compete, but I'm going to, it was clear to me, at least in my stage in my life, that I was going to have to sacrifice a lot. And the biggest thing being my relationship with God, because you were around those guys 24 seven. And when I talk about like not being comfortable being around people that aren't believers and I, and I don't, I, I don't bash my parents at all. Like there's, there's only like so much you can do to prepare your kids, right? Like you have to give them into God's hands too. And you do everything that you can. And that's something as a father now that I'm learning, like, wow, there's, there's so much in the world that you want to shield them from, but how do I prepare them that's to be able good. to walk into it when I'm not there, you know? And so I look back and I'm like, yeah, there's, there's things my parents could have done better, but as a whole, I'm like, I'm so grateful for a lot of things of what they like shielded us from sure, and the best that they did to prepare us for life. But at that stage in my life, I, I got sucked into partying because you're like, you're baseball 24 seven, you know, and it's at like a, prof they would consider it a professional level. So I got a good taste of, okay, this is what I'm going to deal with. If I go into this professionally yeah. I and mean, you wake up, it's baseball, eat, sleep, you go to sleep, <laughs> baseball. baseball. And so all the guys you hang out with are partying. That's all, you know, there's not even a time to get, I didn't do a good job of getting connected anywhere else to have other you know, solid people in my life that were wanting to follow God. And so I came down to like making a hard decision of, you know, am I going to continue this path and potentially, you know, just feeling myself getting sucked away. Mm. And um, I, if I hadn't gone on that trip to Costa Rica, I don't think I would have been able to do that. That's good. Because I tasted what was real and true and better than anything else in this life. And so for me, I, I came home and I was like, I can't go back. I know it's, I know it's not for me. Somebody else, maybe that's what they're called to. Yep. But for me, I was like, this isn't worth it. You know, that's so I'm awesome. going to walk away from it. Yeah. So, man, I heard you say something uh, that I want all dads listening to here is uh, that trip to Costa Rica, that first mission experience changed the trajectory of your life. Oh, yeah. So one, I'm thankful for Trey Gordon, that mm -hmm. youth pastor who's still in town, still doing a great job, who I heard this summer is coming to visit you. Yes. They're bringing a the team, team down and end of June and a bunch of youth on it too. I love short-term missions because it changed my life. And yep. I love, I love getting to see what God does mm. in people's lives when they're there. Yes but also get to see what, you know, how that shifts, like it did for me, their perspective on how does that influence when I go home? Yeah. So, you know? here, so here we are, we went from a short-term mission trip, 18, tried the college baseball life, um, and then got to surf in the nations, more missions experience. Mm -hmm. And then from that moment, we had flown through something and now you're married, two kids <laughs> serving in Guatemala. Tell us, tell us about wife, kids, where you're at. So I moved back from Hawaii. I left Hawaii and throughout that whole experience still felt in my heart called to go back to Central America. That was always something on the, the back burner of my mind. That it was between that and a desire to potentially do, try to do special forces. And I had several buddies that in Hawaii that were in special forces that I'd hang out with, work out with. It kind of encouraged me to pursue that. 
And I got to a point where I moved, I moved to California right after Hawaii to work with a, a buddy there that has a construction company. And so I was just working, digging ditches for a year. <laughs> and I'd only planned to be there for about two months. Yeah. Um, but I got there and I started talking to him about, Hey, I'm looking at the seals. Like maybe that's a path God wants me to go down. I don't know. I still have a desire for, to go back to Costa Rica or Nicaragua. I just don't know. And he just encouraged me, man. He goes, you know, his biggest saying that I loved was on your last day, looking back, how do you want to look at it? I said, I don't want to hold anything back. Yeah. And specifically, I don't want to hold anything back from God. And through that, that time, it was the hardest thing for me to realize that like the best place you can be is to let it, put everything in God's hands and stop trying to control it yourself. Cause I was there for almost a year mm. and I didn't want to be. <laughs> and I got to a place where I was like so frustrated at God. I was like, why, why can't you open a door, you know, to either do missions or if you want me to do, try and do special forces, I'll do it. Yeah. And I felt like God said in my heart, like, you're not letting me lead. You're trying to carry this. You're trying to do it yourself and, and force it. You're not, you're not trusting me. And so for the first, I think really for the first time in my life, I really let go and say, God, I'll do whatever you want. If you want me wow. to be in California for the next 20 years, and you clearly know that I don't want to be here, yeah. <laughs> but if this is the best place for me that I can impact people's lives, then I'll, I'll dig ditches the rest of my rest of my life. But I want to have that joy, that fulfillment, you know, that I saw on that first mission trip that I've, I've seen in people's lives. And I'm like, I want that all mm. the time. I'm tired of trying to figure things out myself. Um, so I was there for a year and God opened up a door to work back out at NASA again, um, which was just a whole crazy story. I got a phone interview and the first thing the guy tells me, it was because of an old boss that I worked for doing construction while I was in college. And he said, the only reason I'm talking to you is because your boss recommend your old boss recommended you. He goes, just so you know, we don't do phone interviews and this job posting, we took it down after 1500 people applied for it. Wow. Yeah. And that was at the time, like, I think like seven or 8,000 people had been laid off. Yeah. Guys, engineers working at Lowe's. Yeah. You know? So first off, like, thank you. Thank you. You're even talking yeah. to me. Uh, and it went well. And they did another phone interview with a panel and they said, Hey, just based off of your, your past work experience here, we're going to give you the job. And I was blown away because I had tried to find work for over six months in here in Florida just to get back home. And I was like, God, why, why, why can't I find anything? Yeah. When I quit, I quit looking for about four months. I said, I'm done. God, if you want to bring me back to Florida, bring me to Florida. If you want me to stay here, I'll stay here. And I started seeing God work in ways that I'd never seen him well, open powerful. doors. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I moved, when I moved back to Florida to take that job, two weeks later, I got reconnected with my now wife. Okay. And we praise had God for NASA. Oh, praise God for NASA <laughs> for sure. Uh, we had almost dated four years prior and her sister had tried to, to set us up for like a year and we hung out, got to know each other and just kind of went our separate ways. We didn't even talk about it. We just kind of drifted away. Sure. And it was the best thing for us because neither one of us were at a mature place. I mean, I was, I was 21 at the time, but there was so much maturing that, that took place between then and then 25 when I moved back to Florida and things that biggest thing, I think just identity being solely in God before anything else and being able to trust him to say, look, I know who I am in you now. Sure. And let that, you know, transition to everything, how I approach relationship and 
you know, just everyday life. And so we came, when we got reconnected, um, it was the first time I can honestly say, like, I'm not looking for a relationship. So God, if this is you, awesome. If it's not, you got somebody else for her, then make that clear right now. Yeah. And, and she was already, she grew up in Guatemala. Her parents started the ministry back in the eighties. Um, they've been there since I think 1982. Wow. It was a good and, year. Z.R. was born. <laughs> <laughs> and just an amazing couple. I, they, they met there on the mission field and just amazing example of just being obedient to wherever God calls you. And nice. so my wife was born there in the mountains. Um, she was born in, in a hospital in Guatemala, but uh, her mom was pregnant with her when they moved into the first village that we still work in today. Wow. And they, in a tent for six months and they built a cabin there. Wow. And so just, when you talk about two people that just, you know, charging hard and saying, God, I'll give you everything. I'll go wherever you want. Um, it's amazing to see like what God's done through their life. And it's one of my biggest, you know, thanks that I give to God that I have such an amazing couple to glean from. I mean, not only are they, they're my in-laws, but they're I mean, such an amazing example that I get to, you know, glean from their experience That's every awesome. single day. That's awesome. Um, so Kayla grew up there and she moved back to the States for college. Um, and so that's when, you know, we met the first time. Uh, and then four years later, we got reconnected. And yeah. from there, <clears throat> it was really cool just seeing like how God can orchestrate things when you give him free reign to your life. Yeah. You know, and the timing of it, uh, I was looking for, you know, places to visit in Central America. And everybody that I knew in Costa Rica, Nicaragua had moved back to the States. So it's kind of a position where I was like, okay, God. I know you don't want me to do special forces. He'd made it clear to me. I got to talk with a guy that was in the SEAL teams for at that time for 27 years. Wow. Strong believer, he's a senior chief. I had a 10 minute conversation with him. And the thing that he harped on four different times, I was taking notes through our whole conversation. Yeah. And he harped on your identity. And it just, man, it was like, just hit my heart so clearly. Dude, you can't do this. He's like, you can't do this if this is what your identity is going to hinge on. Yeah. You know, cause anybody, they have Olympic athletes that don't make it through. Sure. You know? And, but he said, for me, this was my, where God called me to. He goes, but you have to know this is what God's calling you to. And, and I had reservations in my heart. I was like, I don't think this is what God wants me to do, you know? And I think it went back to just identity. It's so easy. I think as men, especially, or at least for myself, it's so easy to find identity in what you do. Oh yeah. And how you can hinge on that. But <coughs> getting to a place of like, okay, yeah, if this yeah. is pulled out from under me, then who am I? That's good. Yeah. And so getting back to that point, like where, all right, I'm, okay, God, I don't have any connection to Central America. What do you want me to do? I can go try and find ministries or figure out something new, but I'd rather go somewhere where somebody's already established and, and find where you want me to, to fit into the needs they have. And um, so when I reconnected with my wife, we we're hanging out. She'd come hang out with me and my family, all my siblings. <laughs> um, or I'd go hang out with her and, and her family, uh, and just got to reacquainted. And for, for me, it was mind blowing to see the change in her heart because before when we got to know each other, she wasn't really living for God. She was trying to figure out, you know, to, am I going to live for God the same way my parents did? Or is this for me? Or am I going to, you know, live like the rest of the world party and whatever. Wow. And for me, I don't. I was like, okay, I don't know what my direction in life 
I'm not, I'm not at a healthy place to have a relationship. So we're both looking back saying like, okay, that was a good thing that didn't happen. But now on the flip side of things, four years later, and the first thing that she wants to talk about is God. And, and it totally caught me off guard. I was, when we first hung out, I wasn't expecting anything. I was like, sure, it's an old friend. I'll go hang out. I invited my family. I was like, I'm not going by myself. Let's all, let's all just meet at the beach and hang out and go surfing. And all she wanted to do was talk about what God's doing in Guatemala, what God's doing. I was like, man, this is a refreshing change. Uh, and the more that I got to know her and then hear from her parents, everything that God was doing, I was like, man, I want to go visit. And her, her dad was the first one to invite me down and said, hey, I don't know where you guys are at, if you guys are going to date or not, but I invite you to come down and check out the ministry and see what we're doing. And, and I, so I went down and my number one prayer was, okay, God, I'm not going to move to another country for somebody. Like, if this is not what you have for me, then you put up the roadblock, you know, make yeah. it clear, shut the door. Yeah. And she was, and I didn't know this, but she, at the same time, she had made it really clear, this is where I'm called to. So if you're not called here, then don't try and come down here for me. Yeah. You know, if God's not calling you, because she had seen other experiences in the past of families that happening where one was called to missions, the other one had no heart for missions at all, and the stress it put on their relationship. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want that. I want somebody who is on board 100%, and we're running at the same speed together, and we're encouraging each other and pushing forward. And she made it really clear from the beginning, which I'm thankful for. I'm like, okay, I got a hard decision to make here. Okay, God, is this where you want for me, or is it just what I want? And that was my number one prayer when I came down. I was like, God, show me. Is this If she's not in the picture, would you call me here? Yeah. You know, because reality, we could have started dating and six months later, I'm in Guatemala and she comes and says, hey, yeah, this ain't going to work. You know, and at that point, am I here because of her or am I here because God sure, called me here? Sure. And after that first trip, it, it was amazing to see everything that I had, like a laundry list of if I'm going to be a part of another ministry because I'd already been in Hawaii. Here's all the, the criteria had to be relationship for, focused over projects. Yeah. Like that has to be the number one thing. The projects are there, but it's an, really just an excuse to build relationships with the people. And if that's not the focus, then I don't want a part of it. You know, I'm not just going to run over people to get something finished. And that and just seeing the respect from the people of like, okay, this is what long-term missions looks like. Sure. I mean, it took 10 years before the first person got saved in that, the first village. Wow. And I remember hearing from her dad, like him going to missions conferences and hearing all these people come up beforehand and saying, Hey, we got, we started 10 churches this year. We started 15 churches. This many people got saved. And he said, he's just cold sweat getting up there saying, okay, God, I'm going to be honest and getting up in front of everybody. And <laughs> all right, hard. we've, we've been here 10 years and we're just trying to get past thou shalt not kill. Right. You know, they're, and at that time, it's not that way now. And I love hearing the stories from the locals. Now that I can speak the language, it took me five years to get conversational, but to hear their stories from before the gospel came to now, wow! I mean, the villages you can you can see one village from another, from one mountainside to the other, and they would hike around each other to not go through each other's villages because they would attack each other and fight with machetes. And so, for the first ten years, that's what God brought Michael and Rocky Bean their name brought them into that and he, he had had medical training so he became the doctor and rocky too uh and he's like for the first especially three to four years he said 
they're trying to figure out, are you guys there for us or are you there to harm us? And their only connection with white people <laughs> was the Spaniards. Wow. So they've been taught, you know, verbally, they're all illiterate. They'd all been verbally taught throughout the generations, you know, that anybody from outside is there to harm you. Wow. So it took three to four years of just winning their trust. And, and there's even times, and they have stories of them trying to kill them that they didn't even know about. Like God just kind of shielded them from it. That's awesome. I mean, different times where um, they would like sharpen their machetes. And if you're going to challenge someone, you would stand outside their hut and start sharpening your machete really loudly. And that was a call to challenge them to come out and fight you. I still do that, actually. You do? Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you know how to do it. <laughs> just yeah. uh, but they would do that outside of their tent. And uh, Rocky says, yeah, I'd lay there at night and be like, what are they doing, Michael? And he'd say, they're, they're sharpening their machete. She's like, do you, should you go ask them if they can do it somewhere else, you know, a little bit further from our tent? And he's like, no, no, no. I think we should just stay here. Let's just pray. Let's just try and go to sleep. And years later, they asked him, they, they came to him. This was after several had gotten saved, but it's, you know, 12 years later. And they sat him down and said, hey, we want to share something with you guys. These are all the men of the church now. Wow. And he said, we want to share something with you, but don't be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid now. And he said, those first five years, we thought you were there to take our kids and to harm us. So we all tried figuring out ways to kill you guys. And he said, without fail... He goes, for those first two and a half to three years, he goes, there was always somebody that had to go to the mission base for medical help, whether from a fight or they had a two-year epidemic of cholera where they're just IVs every single day, just trying to keep people alive, keep them hydrated. And Michael said, he goes, I look back and I said, God, I'm just trying to keep people alive. How, can, how am I supposed to even share the gospel with them? I'm just trying to keep them alive. Like, can you help me out here? Yeah. And he said, those guys sat down with him and said, what you don't know is those first three years of you just keeping us alive it really kept you guys alive yeah because everyone every time we get together and say okay tonight we're gonna we're gonna cut a tree down and let it fall on their tent yeah. he goes and we'd cut it down and it would fall the opposite direction and these guys know how to clear land sure yeah you know? sure or we they'd start a fire and he said out of nowhere the wind would come and blow it the opposite direction towards us and then you guys come out and you help us put it out <laughs> not even realizing we're trying to Wow. To kill you guys. Praise and, God. And they said, you guys don't know, but God covered you in so many amazing ways. And you guys didn't even know about it, you know. Yeah. And Michael's, you know, they're sitting there kind of wide-eyed like, wow, we had no idea. And here this whole time he said, I'm questioning God. Like, are you really with us right now? Yeah. Wow. And he said, you know, it took 10 or 12 years. But for me, it was like such an amazing example of just being obedient to where God calls you. Mm. Whatever that looks like. And for everybody, I know it's different. I remember like my first trip to Costa Rica, I came back and for me, I had imprinted in my mind. I was like, okay, if I'm not living on the mission field, I'm not really living for Jesus. And it took a little while for God to open my eyes to see, no, dude, that's not true. Sure. And, and God put a lot of different men throughout my, those next six to seven years where I got to see firsthand of, wow, this is what it looks like to be, a, you know, live for God, to be a man of God in your arena where God That's places right. you. That's right. And I saw that in the construction field, my buddy, Tom, uh, and owning your own business with 60 different construction workers. And that's a rough crowd to hang out with. Yeah. You know, so to see how he engaged with those men and never compromised on his faith yeah. and was open and bold about it, you know, it really showed me, okay, 
you know, God calls us each to a different arena. Yeah. And that that's something that really so like good. opened my heart to see, okay, God, whether you lead me back to the mission field or not, it's amazing that life doesn't have to be mundane and boring. Yeah. You realize it's about people's hearts around you. I mean, that's good. You hearing you talk about your in-laws, I always tell people I hit the jackpot with my in-laws. I got incredible mother-in-law and father-in-law. <laughs> Sounds like you have some incredible ones as well. But you know what's crazy, Jared, is you're following in their footsteps. Mm-hmm. You guys now, you and your wife, uh, brought back together, get married, move full-time to Guatemala. Right. Now you're raising your own kids. Yep. So your kids are going to be watching you. Um, y'all living in the tent or how's it like raising a family, having a wife, third world country, man, we, well, compared to what they started with, I mean, they laid a huge foundation and our living conditions are a lot better than what they started with. (laughs) I mean, for sure. We've, we have two different main mission bases, one that's in a river region, um, on the water and the other one's in a valley surrounded by mountains. It's kind of a desert valley, uh, but that's our main mission base. And so we have um, two buildings there. One that's a, a dormitory for students from the from the villages. They only go through f- sixth grade. And so if they want to study beyond that, uh, and really it's more like second, third grade level. Wow. Um, but if they want to study beyond that, they come down, they stay with us Monday through Friday uh, and study all the way through um, high school and now we have kids that have gone through become electricians two awesome, girls that man. are becoming nurses are wow. about to graduate uh, and that was one of the biggest ways they've seen you know helping the villages through education Cause, absolutely because they run out of land i mean it's a agricultural community and so once you run out of land you can only cut it up so many different ways right. to give to your kids and so they're running out of land so education has been a huge way of reaching them um, so from, from that base, that's where our, the second floor for interns or teams that stay. The third floor is where um, Kayla's parents have their own little home. And then on the opposite side of the street, we have a, a care center that's medical for any needs the villagers have. Um, they'll come to us first because they're in the culture there. It's kind of a second, second or third class. Um, so they have a hard time going to anybody that's outside of their village and mm. just trusting them. So they'll come to us if they have medical needs and we'll go to with them to the doctors um, or they'll come and they'll stay with us and until they recover and can go back to the mountains. And on top of that is where Kayla and I have our home, okay. with our two kids. Awesome. So How old are there, your kids? Uh, Harper is four and a half and Judah is two. Okay. And then and then we have one on the way. All right. So we don't know if it's a boy or girl yet. The girls are pulling for a girl. The boys are pulling for another boy. It's a tiebreaker, yeah. We'll see. Tiebreaker. Were they born in Guatemala? Yep. Both of them were born in Guatemala. So they have dual citizenship. My wife has dual citizenship. Okay. Uh, So that's our plan to have the next one down there too. That's so rad, Um, man. Like they're getting to live a storybook life. Like I can't... um, I mean, I think, you know, the Grove, we have a heart for missions Mm -hmm. and part of my job here at the Grove is I bring people on mission, um, one destination mission. So I, same thing happened to you in Costa Rica. My prayer is that young men, young women, um, fall in love with missions. We have our first teenager, uh, who's grown up in the Grove church. Uh, she's leaving this summer for a one year commitment to missions. Wow. And, uh, it's pretty exciting to see that happen, but your kids are being raised in that you're living in that. What, what do you think when you think of missions, like what's the highs of mission and what's the lows of mission? We'll kind of wrap up our time with thinking about living in a third world country, full-time missionary. What's the highs? What's the lows? 
Um, highs, I mean, definitely being with my family. I think that's one thing that when I thought about having a family in the future, um, it was always hard for me to swallow having a nine to five job and only getting to see your kids in the evening or maybe for a few minutes in the morning. And I get to be around my kids all the time. I mean, they go wherever we go, they go. That's awesome. I mean, we're in the village. They're with us. Uh, it's a whole different aspect of seeing when your family's there, their hearts, the villagers' hearts just open up. I mean, uh, it's it's amazing to watch and to see that my kids get to experience that. And I mean, for me as a father, I mean, that's it's unbelievable. And that's definitely a huge high. I mean, I love getting to be out in the outdoors. I mean, that's the reason I love surfing. It was a huge way of connecting with God. Yeah, I love creation. Uh, I'd never been in the mountains before I went to Guatemala. So that was a huge learning process, even driving. I mean, it's yeah. all four by four. The closest village from our mission base is an hour and a half away. The furthest wow. is three to four hours. So we'll drive, you know, that distance. You're driving slow, but it's all four by four. Learning that. I didn't drive the first year. Wow. I just had, I sit, I sat next to Michael or Kayla. Uh, Kayla's an amazing offer. <laughs> still the best in the family. Offering. That's awesome. And so I'd sit and I'd watch and just observe Good. how are they handling this and what to do, what not to do. Sure. And so that side of the, I love the outdoors, being in the mountains, that part of just being in creation and experiencing that with God firsthand. Mm. And the biggest thing of just, I love the people there, their culture. And I grew up kind of a, not a cowboy for sure, but I love like Western culture. Yeah. And it's really, it's amazing. Their mindset is so similar to that because they're so far removed from civilization. Right. Um, it's that kind of old West mentality of you take care of your own in your village. And so it's, I don't know. I just love how, how they have that hardworking mentality. Those, they take pride in what they this do, is what, what I have, have and what yeah. I, I mean, they, they're so generous. You, you come to their hut. It's literally a hut. And they want you to feel so welcome. They're so honored that you would even come there. And they want to give you anything that they have. I mean, they are they have a couple eggs. They want to give that to you. Wow. And so we, we'll take it from them because you don't want to dishonor them. Sure. And then we'll come back with more something. <laughs> for them. Uh, yeah. But they're such a generous and thankful culture. And so I love it's a, a bonus getting to work with them. And, and I think that one of the biggest things besides Kayla's parents and getting to work alongside my wife. And there's nothing like that. Yeah. And, and having the same passion for these people and getting to work with her parents who are in such an amazing example. Uh, and, but getting to see like really the first fruits of what they've done and being faithful there are the, the eight pastors now that they, cause I think we have eight churches that we started and getting to see these guys are all from those villages mm. And they have just as much, if not more, of a passion to reach their own people. Sure. And and anyone else they come involved with, but they're the ones coming to us now saying, hey, we found a new village. That's awesome. We're man. hiking six hours to have a, a meeting with them at one home, and then they hike back in the middle of the night. Wow. And they're like, you want to come with us? I'm like, yeah, that's a trek, man, but yes, I do want to come <laughs> yes. with you. Wow. And just their heart, and that's that started with Kayla's parents and them really – wanting to to download in them look god wants to use you don't just look to us you know when we're and it's amazing to see that now like we come alongside them and help launch them whatever we can do but they're really the ones you know the tip of the spear finding new villages new people wow. that and 
just charging so hard with that passion and that's so rad and their identity i think it's the coolest thing seeing the, their identity in christ and yeah. saying like this is what we can do when you're empowered by christ and yeah, um, that's so that's definitely the highs the lows i don't really see a whole lot of lows i mean that's it can be difficult at times when you're a little more isolated i love i love when teams come down because as much as i love the spanish culture um and speaking spanish it's still when you can talk your home language. Sure. It's definitely, I don't know, there's something different about it. And I love connecting with other men that come down. Um, so I, I think at times you can, if you're not careful, uh, in our day and age, I mean, it's it's great that you have ways to connect with people. I can stay in contact with people back home that I wouldn't be able to 100 years ago. Uh, so that's a huge blessing. Yeah. But I think for anybody that you're in a different country, different culture, you know, there's times or seasons where you're like, man, I feel a little, little bit isolated. Um, but God's put so many different people that have take time to invest in me too, and That's check good. up on me. And hey, man, how you doing? Yeah, you know, can we anything I can pray for you about? Or, um, but I think that's probably the only that's thing, awesome. man. I mean, yeah, I, it's there's been a, a tough season with my own family. That I didn't mention before that um, we just had a, a rough road. Uh, they had a hard time with me moving to Guatemala. Um, and so that's, that's been a tough thing working through that we're still working through. Wow. Um, it's put a, a real strain on my relationship with them. Uh, and something I never really like expected. Sure. And my, my, my parents love God. Uh, but it was, didn't really align with what I guess they had envisioned for my life. And so it's been a tough thing, like trying to walk through that <clears throat> when, you know, the people that you love most are not, you know, aligned with what you believe God has in front of you and having to walk that out and say, you know, I'm going to follow God even even though you don't agree with me. Have any of your family been down to visit you or siblings or? Just my brother Josh came down for our wedding. So we, we had our wedding in Antigua, Guatemala, and then we did a reception here. Um, and he came down for that and has been trying to come back since, but it hasn't worked out yet. Um, but then the rest, two of my siblings had been to Guatemala, but before I had moved down. Okay. Uh, but since then, not yet. Uh, one of my sisters, Mia, she, her and her husband, uh, Mike are wanting to come down maybe next year. Right. That's good. So we'll see. That'll be That's good, cool. man. That's oh. awesome. It's, ref it's encouraging and refreshing just to, uh, to hear your joy. I get to see your joy in your face right now. As you talk about missions, you talk about serving the Lord with your wife, serving the Lord with your kids as as fathers, this is our desire. Uh, Brad and I are going on a trip. We're going on a mission trip this summer with our uh, two oldest boys, just uh, our boys and some other nice, groups. Man. And yeah, as a dad, it, this is a joy, but I only do these trips because I'm praying and hoping my kids fall in love with missions. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to encourage people, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, um, you're on mission. You, yeah. live in, yes. you live in the remote villages of Guatemala, you're on mission. And uh, Jared, man, we commend you for this, what you do for the gospel's sake. Uh, we're proud of you and uh, we cheer you on. Uh, but if you're working at the Space Center, if you're digging ditches mm -hmm. in California, if you're driving a semi truck, um, wherever you are listening to this right now, uh, God has you on a mission. Yeah, if you're yes. playing college baseball yes. and you're struggling mm -hmm. through your identity in Christ, like you are who you are, not by what you do, uh, but by who you are because of the person of Jesus. So I just want to encourage you as men, yeah. uh, think Amen. that way. Yes. That's so good. You know, I was thinking, uh, I've heard someone say before, you know, like organizations and as, you know, as I get to lead teams or organizations and it's like, well, what's the mission? What's the mission? And maybe 
you know, even as an individual, Jared, sharing your story in that season of life when you were trying really hard to hear from God, discover God, what do you have for me? It's like, I mean, if you're listening to this and, and you are a confessed follower of Christ, you have a mission. That's right. We all have a mission. Yes. It's called the Great Co-Mission, right? <laughs> right? So he like uh-huh. sent us on mission. So we don't really have to wonder if we have mission or if, is God calling us to mission? The answer is yes. 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 If you if you are a confessed follower of Christ, you are on mission. And that mission was pretty clear when he said, go and make disciples, right? right. Baptizing them, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them all yes. the things I've taught you and what it looks like to follow me. And so we see in that commission, we see evangelism, we see discipleship, we see the the evangelistic side of sharing the gospel and baptizing people. We see the discipleship and teach them what it looks like to follow me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so we're all on mission. And so, dude, we're so right. proud of you, man. Like, so cool to see you. Like, I've known Jared since he was a young teenager, um, surfing together. Yep and hanging out and being involved in ministry together through your teenage years and, and um, getting to see you now and, and the way that you're leading out and, and really spending this time and, and hearing your heart is pretty, pretty incredible. So thank you for, thank you for sharing with us. Oh, thank and, you guys for having me. You two have set such a, a huge example for my life too. I mean, like you said, being a teenager, looking up to both of you and seeing one of them, I was thinking about driving over here. I'm like, dude, you guys' passion level for Jesus has not, slow down at all and i love it dude it's it's amazing and i love what you guys are doing day in and day out man yeah Yeah, praise the lord so much well good deal well that's what we got uh for today so jared phillips you guys uh share this with your friends share this with your family what an incredible story uh of someone who's just pursuing the lord leading his family uh just living life on mission so man i'm so grateful for you but you guys have an incredible day and we'll see you next time